right, good morning again. I, uh, I told David, I said, David, don't ditch that song too fast. I said, I smell a sermon series. <laughs> I think I could preach my way through that one, amen? That is a wonderful, wonderful song. Of course, we serve a wonderful God, so that shouldn't be too surprising. Well, we're glad you're here. Facebook friends, we're glad that you are here. FM 102.3 WEBQ, we're glad you're here. And there might be some folks in the North parking lot. We're glad that they are here too. And we are glad to worship um, the Lord God Almighty. Hey, we start a brand new series today. And that new series, as you know, I think you know, I craft the videos and get to pick the songs and all that. And I hope you picked up. I want to read you just a couple of the lyrics of that song, Joy. You know, lately I've been reading, watching the nightly news. By the way, bad idea. Don't watch the news. It's nothing but bad news. Amen. If you need some good news, go to the Word of God. Amen. All right. Yep. Come on now. Amen. I told you all got to be lively today. All right. So I've been reading, watching the nightly news. Don't seem to find the rhythm. Just want to sing the blues. Hello. Feels like a song that never stops. Feels like a song that never stops. And then later on, as you heard in the song, it says, I choose joy. It's just a perfect song for our new series uh, called Soar. And the, by the way, I'll go ahead and tell you, if we build a sermon series on that song, the first one we sang, it would be called Nothing. Nothing. Nothing's greater than him. Amen. So I asked to leave the sign up here, the, the slide, because I wanted to kind of tell you, so where did Soar come from? Where did it happen? Well, back in, geez, probably, I think it's probably like even April, May, right in the midst of the COVID mess and all that going on. And I was preaching, I think, about faith that particular day. And I wrote down on my sermon notes, my sermon sheet, I wrote down faith, uh, joy soars in the skies, and I think it was faith. I could not find that sermon sheet saved my life. You know, joy soars in the skies of faith. And then as I wrote that down, I went, oh, you know what? Joy soars. And I just started writing things down where I knew joy would soar in the skies of those. And that's where you say, where these sermon series come from? Well, it's kind of a birth like that. So it's entitled Soar and Joy Soars in the Skies of. And what we're going to be looking at, and by the way, to show you how this thing changes, we've got love the first week. And next week, Brother Brent's going to be speaking. And he's going to preach on obedience. And then I'm going to come back in and preach on gratitude. And then the last week, which is the week after um, Thanksgiving will not be suffering, it will be hope. That just was a recent change. And we're going to be leading right into Advent, right into Advent with that series, that message on hope. It uh, should, should be great, should be great. And so we talked about then, so today is love. We're going to fly, fly to the friendly skies of love. Now, if we take this and we look at this, you know, when it say joy soars in the skies of, and again, whether it be, you know, all the ones that be love or, or obedience or gratitude or hope, when we talk about that, okay, if joy is just an emotion, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. It doesn't mean much at all. And by the way, you just need to know something. You know, if joy, if joy can soar in the skies of love, then joy can sour in the skies of hatred. Uh-huh, uh-huh. If joy can soar in the skies of obedience, it can sour in the skies of disobedience. Uh, if joy can soar in the skies of gratitude, it can sour in the skies of ingratitude. And of course, if joy soars in the skies of hope, then it can sour in the skies of hopelessness. So so what is this thing called, called joy? Well, uh, and I don't, I'm not sure when this happened. It was probably last year sometime. I'd love to tell you and remind you of things, how they happened in my life. You know, again, I was studying for a message, and I saw a little snippet of somebody's thought, 
and I turned it into this, this definition of joy that really was a game changer for me. And I had mentioned it probably three or four times a year because it's that important, that important. So, by the way, hope you'll get that worship app out, you know, get that thing out so you can write some notes down. You need to be taking some notes today. So, so what is joy? If joy was just an emotion, that's fine. That's good, you know, that happy, you know, joy thing. You know, that's great. But, but biblical joy is so much more than that. Biblical joy is so much more than that. Now, you need to write this down, okay? So what is biblical joy? You've heard this probably five or six times over the last year, and here it is again. Biblical joy is a deep sense, a deep inward sense of well-being, peace, okay? Biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being or peace, Based not on our circumstances, not on how we feel that day, what we have for supper the night before, okay? Biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Now, do you understand the magnitude of how that changes that word joy? You know how much bigger it becomes? You know, biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Um, His name was Horatio Spafford, and you probably recognize that name. And this concept of biblical joy is what got him through what he went through. And by the way, biblical biblical joy is what got him through what he went through, and biblical joy is what will get you through what you're going through. You need need to get this, I'm telling you. Uh, You know, with, with what we got on in our world, this is huge. This is really, really huge. Okay, so here's the story, and you know it. You may remember it. Um, he lived in 18, he was probably 1865 where, when his four-year-old son died. And uh, only son, devastating. And then in 1871, he was a businessman in Chicago, and the Chicago fire came and just literally destroyed his business. And so in the, in the aftermath of that, he decides to send the family to England for a vacation to get away from the mess. And so he sends them across on an ocean liner. Of course, that was how you went back in those days. And there were four daughters and his wife. And out in the middle of nowhere, um, two ships collide. This ship and another ship collide. And, and I saw Brent early in the service. It, it, it sunk in about 18 minutes. It was just horrific. And um, the story is, and a, a witness said this, that Mrs. Spafford joined her daughters together and said, we do not know the will of God in this, um, whether we live or whether we die, and said that she loved them. And so... The four daughters died, and she survived. They found her floating in the ocean on a piece of wreckage. And so she gets to England and sends a telegram back that says, Saved alone, saved alone. And so uh, Horatio Spafford gets on a ship and goes to England to be with his wife and bring her back to America. And um, when they get to about the spot where the collision occurred is when he goes out on the bow of the ship and he writes those words to, It is well with my soul. And that biblical joy, that sense of well-being, and think it is well, that deep sense of well-being is how he got through that. Have you ever thought about the words? Seriously, I've sang this song literally hundreds of times. And when I did this sermon and was using the words, it struck to me again. You know, when peace like a river attends my way. When peace like a river attends my way. You know, when, when things are going well, where there's no COVID in my mess, when there's no COVID in my world, when, when elections go one way or the other the way I want them to go, 
when the stock market is doing well, when my 401k means I get to eat when I'm 75, you know, when, when the doctor's reports are all good, when the kids are doing well in school, when they don't shut down the second grade, all those things, when peace, like a river, attends my way, when things are doing well. But then he says this, when sorrows like sea billows roll, when things don't go well, when the doctor doesn't give you a good report, when COVID is really messing with your world, when the future is so uncertain, when the stock market goes south, when you don't know if you're going to be able to eat when you're 75, when your marriage is in trouble and your kids are walking away, when sorrows like sea billows roll, when things are going well and when things are not going well, you have taught me, whatever my life, you have taught me to say. God, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Biblical joy is a sense of well-being based on my faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Not my circumstances, not the way things are going that day. My faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. There's a pastor named Sam Storms, I guess kind of famous, I don't know. Sam Storms who wrote, you know, joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. Joy is not abs- uh, necessarily the absence of suffering. In fact, we know the, the half-brother of Jesus, James, you know, kind of said the opposite. You know, I mean, you know, he made it very clear. He said, you know, it's, you know, Sam's, you know, it's not the absence of suffering. James comes along and says, count it all joy. When, when COVID messes with your life. Count it all joy when you lose your job. Count it all joy when the doctor gives the bad report. Count it all joy when you're a husband and wife and you don't like each other anymore. Count it all joy when raising the kids is harder than you ever dreamed it would be. Count it all joy. Now again, if joy's an emotion, you go, that's nuts. But you don't say that if you're a Christ follower and you understand biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on your faith in God and your trust in His sovereign will. All of a sudden, it begins to make some sense. So Sam Storm says, you know, joy is not necessarily the presence of suffering. It is, I'm sorry, the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your circumstances will change. Your circumstances will change. But the presence of God never does. The presence of God never does. Listen, your church, you know, whether you like the church or don't like the church, we hear that so much today. Well, I don't like the church anymore. I like this church better. I like that church better. You know, you know, it doesn't depend on that. You know, your joy depends on the presence of God, and that never, never changes. It's just, it's just amazing. I, I stumbled into this, this verse. You know, you always you read the Bible through and you miss everything. You know, saying. But Psalm 1611, um, if I was taking notes today, I would write that reference down. If I had to get a pen out and write on my hand, I'd write on my hand. Because it's one of those key verses that I just don't remember reading before. This is the English Standard Version, and it says this. You will show me the way of life. Now, you being God. God, you will show me the way of life. I love that because, see, I don't think that life is just happenstance. I think life is directed by my sovereign God. Okay? In fact, I love, you know, I love Psalm 37, 23, and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, every day when I wake up, I have the assurance of knowing that God is directing my steps that particular day. You've got you to buy into this. 
What is biblical? It's godly. You know, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in the way. So not only I get up and know, oh, God's going to direct my steps today, no matter what they look like, whether it's seas billow rolling or peace like a river, okay? He is directing my steps, okay, as I go. And then the Bible, the psalmist says that he delights in that way. In other words, God gets up in the morning, you know, I say, I get up in the morning, and God says, hey, Dwayne, i got a path for you today, and I want you to know it's a path that I delight in. Now, that doesn't mean things are always good. Because God is, God is a way suffering. God is purposeful in everything he does. So if, if it's peace like a river, he's got a purpose. If it's sea, billows, rolls, he's got a purpose. He's got a purpose. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in that path. And even if I fail, do we have any failures in the room? Now, I know it's going to be all perfect. You don't have this. Okay, but, but do you have any people that, that don't quite get it right? Yeah, even though you don't go right, even though I fail, I will not be utterly cast down. I won't be thrown down and not to get up again. Why? Because he picks me up with a strong hand. He picks me up with a strong hand. So already it was worth the price of initiative to come today. You know, if your world's all messed up, if your world is nothing but sea billows roll, you need to understand something, that God has a path for you and he loves you and he's going to never leave you and never forsake you in that path. And he has a purpose why you're experiencing the sea billows roll and not peace like a river. He has a purpose for that that we can take home with us. So you will show me the way of life. Now watch this, watch this. Granting me, um, giving me, providing me, one, the joy of your presence. The joy, key word, of your presence, second word, and the pleasures of living with you forever. So I've already told you that God's presence is with us forever. It goes with us. Circumstances change. His presence does not. And I'm going to give you God's big plan. Here's God's big plan. So he says in this verse, the joy of your presence. So that means while I'm here, while I'm here, God's plan is, hey, Dwayne, I'm going to be with you. COVID, no COVID, election, no election, job, no job, sickness, no sickness. Hey, Dwayne, I'm with you, and I'm never going to leave or forsake you. Somebody say amen. That's good news. That's good news. See, because we, we, bank, we, hang, our, we hang our lives. We bank on, on all this temporal stuff. God says, I'm going to be there for you, okay? The joy of your presence. And, and, and it says, goes on and says, and the pleasures of living with you forever. So God says, I'm here with you now. And guess what? I'll be with you forever in heaven. God's God's deal is his presence. God's deal is his presence. He's going to be present here and he'll be present there. We were talking, you know, with Judy at home about a scripture. You know, Paul said this, you know, if I live, I'm God's. If I die, I'm God's. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm God's. So what you upset about? Now, if you're a Christ follower, if you're not a Christ follower, you've got a lot to be upset about. But if you're a Christ follower, what's the deal? Why are you all wound up about all this stuff? He's with you here, and he'll be with you there, whether you live or whether you die, you're the Lord's. You're the Lord's. I mean, that is so wonderfully, wonderfully powerful. So, so if joy, if biblical joy is that deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will, and that joy soars, because you say, well, how can I have that joy in my life? Well, it soars 
It thrives, if that's a better word for you, it thrives in the skies of love. Love. Now, now not just love. You know, we take love. You know, we throw, we throw, I, I love pizza. I love pecan pie. I love Judy. And I love most of y'all. Okay, all of y'all. No, no. Well, all, enough of y'all anyway. <laughs> but anyway, I love y'all. Okay, we throw the word love around so lightly. So, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's not just any love. It's God's love. It's God's love. You know, joy soars in the skies of God's love. God's love. Not romantic love, not, not earthly manufactured love, but in the skies of God's love. You know, there's a quote here. It says, you know, love is the fountain of joy. Love is the fountain of joy from God that reaches into the needs of others. So, so it's, it's a godly love that allows us to reach. Now, first off, it happens like this. First, God reaches into my life. God reaches in his love. God reaches with his love into my life. I, in turn, that frees me up to reach in God's love into the lives of others. That's a good place for an amen. See, God reaches into my life so I can reach into the lives of others. It's not just any love. See, it's like, let, let me mess with you just for a moment. Can I mess with you just for a moment? You know, you know, we believe, and of course we're, we're taught, you know, but it's, it's not just faith that saves us. Am I messing with you? It's not just faith that saves us. Should I tell them? Okay, I will. Okay. It's faith in Jesus. Amen. See, it's not just faith. See, some of y'all got, I got faith. What are you faithing in? I'm faithing in the government. Oh, <laughs> you poor soul. I, I'm faithing in you, preacher. Really? Really? No, no, no. See, it's faith in Jesus. It's faith in Jesus. It's not just faith. It's faith in Jesus. And it's not just love. It's God's love. Joy soars in the skies of God's love. Now, in John chapter 15 and verse number 9, Jesus gives us like just a bouquet of scriptures about his love. And we're going to develop that today because I want you to leave here going, okay, I, when I buy what you say. Biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on my faith in God and trust in sovereign will. I, I, I get that. I want that. Now, I want that to grow in my life. I want that kind of joy to grow in my life. Okay, well, in Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew, in John chapter 15 and verse number 9, John 15, 9, okay, here's one of those verses that's a wow factor. As the Father... Has loved me. Me being Jesus. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Now, remain, abide, live in my love. Isn't that great? As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. So I'm sitting there because I try to come up, I try to come up with illustrations, I try to come up with ways to explain things in a simple manner. So I'm sitting there going, okay, so how would I describe how much God loved Jesus? And I realized it's almost impossible. You know, it's like the Trinity. You know, Trinity is really difficult. I don't think we can understand it personally. Uh, a lot of these smart theologian guys say, oh, well, here's how you, you know, you know, they try to say like an orange. You know, the Trinity is like an orange. You've got the peel, you've got the white part, and you've got the fruit. That's like the Trinity. No, it's not. It's just not. But, but it's one and three and three and one. And it's like you can't find words for it. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. With, with this love, the love that God had for his son, I'm not sure there are words. I, I, I think we're going to have to come up with some more letters. 
26 is just not enough. If you're trying to describe, if you're trying to describe the love that God had for his son, I'm going to need about, about 395,000 more words and letters. Amen? It's hard to imagine. But I know this, it's this intense, wonderful, deep love. And so that's, yeah, yeah, okay, Dwayne, I got that. Okay, I get that. Okay, but over here on the other side of that coin, the father loved his son enough to allow him to go to that. He, he, he loved him enough and sent him to earth, born of a virgin and lived this sinless life. That wasn't too hard, you know, difficult. People, you know, some people didn't like him, but a lot of people liked him. But then they nailed him to a cross. And God, God's love knew that. And yet he sent him to great danger on this cross because he loved us. And then allowed him to die on Roman cross. Now my point is this. If, if the father loved Jesus that much, words beyond words, beyond words, beyond words, okay? And over here, yet in that love, did he change his love? Did he love him less? He said, okay, sorry, Jesus, don't love you anymore. you got to go down on a cross. No, no, no. He loved him enough in a way we probably can't understand that he actually allowed him to go to this Roman cross. My point is this. When things are going really, 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 really well, it's easy for us to comprehend God's love. Oh, I feel loved today. I'm, I'm singing that new song, and I'm going, wow, I feel loved today. Okay. But what about when it is COVID time? What is when the job is gone? People don't like you. You know, whatever it is, the doctor gives you the bad news. You need to understand God's love doesn't change. He hasn't started loving you less. His love is unconditional. His love is unconditional. So here's what I'm going to give you. That cross and this verse... As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain my love. That cross in this verse should seal forever any doubts you've got about the unconditional, unwavering, unlimited love of God. When when you're saying, I'm just not sure God loves me. Uh, Why would God, if God loved me, why would he allow this into my life? When that happens, remember that. That is the megaphone of love. That forever, listen, listen, listen. That shouts forever into your ear. I love you. That proves it. And then you go to his word and you read verses like this. As the Father has loved me, somewhere beyond 26 letters. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. All you need to do is bask. All you have to do is live. All you have to do is remain in that love. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? So see, you need this today because I know what the news says. And a lot, of, a lot of your lives, I know what your life says. The difficulties, the medical tests, the loss of loved ones. I know those things. And we need this even so right now. We need to let our joy soar in the skies of this incredible love. As the Father has loved me, I love you. Now remain in this love. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 is trying to describe love, God's love, to the Ephesians. He, he needed more letters too. He needed more letters too. Here's what he says in Ephesians 3.18. And may you, uh, talking to the Ephesians and to us, and may you have the power, the drive, the passion, the desire to understand, as all people should. As all people. So may you have this drive and desire to understand, as God's people should, how wide... How long, 
how high and how deep his love is. Wow. I think about that, that bear hunt song. Ooh, looky what we see. I see a bear hunt. I don't remember it. My kids, I don't remember it. I know it can't go through it, can't go over it. I remember that part of the song. But anyway, that's what I thought of this. And so I'm going, God, how can I teach this to my people? How can I teach this to those ones I'm speaking to today? He goes, well, it's easy, Dwayne. He says, you tell about why, you tell them that you can't go around it. No matter how far you go, you, you watch football. And a lot of times, they'll give the ball to the dude, and he'll go around and try to go around the defense and up the sideline. You've watched war movies. They, they try to, to get to the command center. They try to flank on the outside. Well, God's word is saying, listen, Paul's saying, you can't do that with God's love. You can just run all you want to, as far as you want to, and you'll never reach the end or the flank of God's love. Ain't that awesome? I mean, and I said, well, okay, God, so what's that? He said, well, it's how long? And see, I was thinking how long, like how long, but I think it's not, it's not a measurement of linear. It, it's a measure of time. How long? How long is love is? See, see, you know, God loves you today, and God will love you tomorrow, and God's going to love you 100 years from now, you know, and guess what? A zillion years in the future, assuming you've trusted Christ as Savior, and you're in heaven, a zillion years from today, he'll still be loving you. He'll still be loving you. Just tell him that, Dwayne. Tell him that I'm never going to stop loving him. Just tell him that. I said, well, Lord, what about how high? Well, you know how high, Dwayne. Tell him about Mount Everest. Tell him how that, that you know, go Mount Everest, you have to climb over. But tell him this. Tell him that there's nothing tall enough that will keep them from being able to climb over to my love. My love, my love will go. No matter how high the mountain, 25,000 feet or whatever it is, you can't outclimb God's love. It's always there. I said, well, Lord, what about deep? He said, well, Dwayne, you know about deep. You've got some coal miners. In your church. Just tell them you can't tunnel, you can't tunnel under it. You can't. It, you know, it's, it's how deep it is. No matter how deep you drill, you're going to hit God's love. You say, you, you know, well, what if they drive down 500, 600 feet? Well, you just tell them to keep tunneling because you can't tunnel under my love. That's how I made And that's why Paul said, that's why Paul said that you may have the power to understand. It's just so, so amazing. It is. Now, he goes on in verse number 19 and says this. May you experience, um, one of our members, Sheila Dowdy, made me a pecan pie for pastor appreciation thing. She can cook them. I didn't know she had the gift. You know, there are lots of spiritual gifts. Pecan pie is one of them. Yeah, well, well so anyway, so she, yeah, this pie shows up at my house, I think it was, or the office, one of them. And so I opened it up, you know, and pecan pie is not a gimmick. You know, and so, so, you know, pecan pie, it's important that you get the pecans just right. You can get them too brown, and they taste a little burnt, and then you don't get them at all, and they taste kind of rawish, okay? Yeah. So I cut it, and the gooey part was just right. You know, you, know, you can get the gooey where it kind of like runs like a river, and you get the, now I'm not being critical of y'all. If y'all want to make me pie, I'll eat, I don't care what it looks like. I want you to know that. But, but her, hers was just right. It's that jelly, but it's a soft, you know, just right jelly. You know what I mean, Brent? And, and then the crust was like flaky. Like, I don't know if it had lard in it or what, but it was just really, really good. 
You know? Now, I just told you about incredible pecan pie, but here's the deal. Until you taste it, you can't know it. I can use all the adjectives I can think of, but it, you can't, you got to experience to taste it. You know, the psalmist said, oh, taste and see the Lord, how good he is. Well, I'm trying to tell you, you've got to experience, you know, Paul is saying, you've got to experience this love of Christ. You've got to experience this love of Christ. And the reason why is, you know, it's really too great to understand. He said, I don't have enough letters. I don't have, I need more than 26. But then you'll be able to be made complete with all the fullness and power that comes from God. When you begin to experience the love. It's not enough for a preacher to tell you about the love. It's not even enough for you just to read in the Bible about the love. You've got to apply your understanding of the love of God. You know, back in 1 John chapter 4, John just knocks it out of the park. He just knocks it out. He gives us these love factors, I call them. And again, if you want your joy to soar in the skies of love, you really need to get this, okay? Number one is this. It's 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 18, the first part. There is, now remember this now, there is no fear in love. If you're, if you're living, I'm going to say this a couple times, but if you're living in fear, you don't understand God's love. There's no fear in love. You know, man, when you understand God's love, fear dissipates. Fear dissipates. When you understand God's love, how unconditional it is, how unwavering it is, how unlimited it is. I mean, he's not going to leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to stop loving you. Okay? So, so John tells us, hey, listen, there's no fear in love. Okay? Then he says this in the second part. He says this in verse number 18, the second part. Instead, you know, there's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Anybody here like Westerns? Yeah, remember, remember Rawhide? Rawhide, you know, and they would have those, <coughs> excuse me, that was embarrassing. Okay, you have this, these cattle drives, okay, and they're out there, they're ripped, so driving the cattle, that's love. Love drives out fear. That's why it's so important. That's why, that's why you need to understand this love that so joy can soar in your skies and those skies because it drives out the fear, okay? Because fear involves punishment. Fear, fear involves, you know, God's going to hurt me. God's going to hurt me. I, I so lived in this too long, okay? Now, he's a righteous judge, judge and he's a, a just God. There is a hell, and people who reject Jesus Christ as Savior will spend eternity in that place called hell. But God, for his children, he's not a God of punishment. Every, listen, 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 listen. Everything God does is for your good. Everything God does, even when it's difficult, even when it seems like not good at the moment, everything God does is for your good. So, so it drives out fear because fear involves punishment, okay? And then we got to understand that we begin to understand God's love. When we begin to understand God's love, you know, fear of his rejection and punishment disappear. All of a sudden, you don't believe that anymore. You know, it's not, it's not, oh, no, I, I messed up. God's going to punish me. Now, you say, Dwayne, really? Can I be very candid with you? I used to believe that. I can remember times when I disobeyed the word of God, and I would literally say to myself, oh, no, what's going to happen next? What is God going to do to me? Let me tell you something. God's not about doing to you. God's about doing for you. For you. 
for you. But in my twisted thinking, you know, I was afraid if, if, I, if I messed up, if I sinned, if I failed, that God was going to zap me. That is bad theology. That is bad theology. It's just simply not true. You know, sadly, so many people go through life with that kind of a mentality. You know, factor three is this in verse 18c and 19a. So the one who fears is not complete and loved. So John says, if we live that kind of life, we just don't understand God's love. And I want to tell you, you need to get in the Word of God and you discover God's love. Google it. Google's great. Google's bad, but Google's great. Google the love of God. And you're going to find scriptures that will support and help you understand just how much God loves you. And then number four was, we love because he first loved us. And he did. He did. We're able to give love and share love and experience love because he loved us first. All right, let's put a bow on this thing. In John 15, 10, it says this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in your love. And I told Brent, I told him first service, and told Brent you know, earlier, I said, I'm going to talk a little bit about obedience. I'm not going to steal your thunder, though. But I need to talk a little bit about obedience because the scripture addressed it. But in verse number 10, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Now, here's the deal. We often see obedience as a taskmaster. Got to keep them rules. You want God to love you, keep the rules. Keep the rules. Do this, do that. Bad theology. Bad theology. See, obedience is not a taskmaster. Obedience is a safe harbor. Think about that. Obedience is not a taskmaster. It's a safe harbor. Obedience is a place where we can go and be safe in God. See, God gave us his word not as a taskmaster. God gave us his word as a safe harbor. When the storms are coming, we can go in that safe harbor and be safe. That's what God wants for you. Now, you, you know this yet? When my life, when I'm more obedient to God, okay, guess what? Fewer regrets, fewer consequences. True or false? Now, now see, I know, I know, I know. You have to be careful. Because some people go, well, when I obey God, He loves me more. Bad theology. <laughs> Just more bad theology. God loves you perfectly already. He loves you perfectly already. So all we have to do then is understand that obedience is a safe harbor. That within his obedience, we can bask in his love. We can bask in his love. So finally, verse number 11. I have told you these. I love this. I love this. You know, Jesus actually tells us why he told us. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you. And your joy may be complete. He said, this is why I've shared these truths with you, he says. Because my joy can be in you. And what's joy? A deep sense of well-being based on my faith in God and trust in his sovereign will. See, so Jesus is saying, my joy, see, I've trusted my father. And I've also trusted in his sovereign will. Okay? And I want that to be in you. In you. And that way, your joy will be complete. And in, in the craziness, when the sea billows roll, you'll have peace. You'll have joy. Because it's based on your faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Amen? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? 
Now, let, let me close with this. I can't give reference to this. I don't know who to credit this to. It didn't have one, but it's powerful. It says, a person's identity is shown in the actions of their life and not where they sit on Sunday. A person's identity is shown in the actions of their life and not where they sit on Sunday. Wow. So here's three things. Take them home. One, be joyful. Be joyful. Brenda, be joyful. You know, biblical joy, a deep sense of well-being based on my faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. I choose joy. I choose to let joy soar in my life in the, field, in the skies of love. I choose that. Be joyful. We've heard it today. Love God. Love God. Love people. Love people. You know, we didn't get to this scripture, but you know, Jesus said, you know, love one another. And, oh, and by the way, he says, the world's going to know that you're mine because you love one another. Love one another. So if you're here today, whether you be in this room or perhaps on Facebook, if you're here today and you've never experienced the power of this, the power of the man who died on the cross, you know, and the Bible says we've all sinned, and the Bible says that, that Jesus died for our sins, he paid the price for our sins, that we could have eternal life. And if we're willing to turn from our sins and follow him, then we'll have the presence of God now and forever in our lives. If you've never done that, we want to invite you to do that. If you're in this room or perhaps you're on Facebook, maybe listening on the radio, regardless of what it is, today God loves you and he wants to save you and forgive your sins. And my friend Brent's going to be standing down front and we would love to share exactly how that can happen in your life. But you might be here in this room. You've heard my story numerous times. 21 years in the church. 21 years, three times a week. 21 years and didn't know Jesus. I kept coming up short. I kept going, man, this is terrible. The guilt, the shame. And then I realized the reason I had the guilt and shame is because I'd never been forgiven. I'd never chosen Jesus. I chose to try to do better. I chose to keep the rules. I chose to go to church, but I didn't choose Jesus. On October 26, 1975, it happened. And it changed me forever. Did it make you perfect? <laughs> you know that didn't happen. But it did make me forgiven. It did make me forgiven. So we invite you to that decision. But if you're here today and you know Jesus, choose joy. Choose joy. I know things are crazy. This corona thing just keeps going on. <laughs> the election just seems to keep going on. This crazy economy. This crazy future. Choose joy. Choose to have that deep sense of well-being based on your faith in God and your trust in His sovereign will. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for this privilege and thank you for the truth of this word. Thank you that your love is beyond understanding. Thank you that your love is wider and deeper and longer and higher than we can ever imagine. Thank you that your love is beyond our ability to explain it. It's so deep and wonderful. Thank you for all of that. Father, I pray for my friends who might be listening on Facebook or, or perhaps in this room. And they need Jesus. I want to pray, Father, just like you helped me that day find you. I pray for them that the same thing would happen. 
may they choose Jesus. And when they choose Jesus, they choose joy. And for those of us who know you, and we're grateful for that, Father, help us in this crazy, mixed-up world, this upside-down world, to choose joy. Help us to place our faith and trust in you, God, and trust in your sovereign will, knowing that you are in control and in charge. It's not happenstance. It is you. So I pray you'll be with our time of decision. Father, there's anyone here who needs to be, uh, be prayed with, uh, any decision needs to be made, we ask God that you'd help them make that decision. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name.